Broadway Bullet Volume 809 for December 5th, 2017. New in New York. Subscribe to Broadway Bullet for free at broadwaybullet.com, iTunes, or anywhere you subscribe to podcasts. And don't miss a single episode. The Mad Ones by our friends Kerrigan and Loudermilk is gaining heat at 59 East 59. Actress Leah Hawking is here to discuss the show and reigniting her own career. Today is My Birthday is a play with an unusual dependence on sound design. Playwright Susan Soon He Stanton and sound designer Palmer Heffron discuss developing the show together. The classic songs of the Grateful Dead come to life on the stage in Red Roses, Green Gold. Natalie Storrs discusses the excitement of originating a role while being an actress and a musician. All right, this is your host, Michael Gilbo, and I am so excited to be bringing you the next half of the season. We got all new stuff, at least. Well, of course, it's all new to you, but we're doing three episodes in three weeks because we got some shows that we want you to hear about just in case you're actually going there, you know, this December 2017 to see some shows. This episode, you're going to hear about The Mad Ones at 59 East 59, Today is My Birthday, and Red Roses Green Gold. And uh, coming up, we've got some other great things on the boards, including Frankenstein, the musical, and we've got The Dead, 1912, a bunch of stuff. So tune in, mad stuff to find, but not only for if you're visiting New York to see them, but these are going to be some great new show options for you to look at doing at your group. Uh, in your town where you live. So uh, check in. We're, we're pretty excited. All right, let's check in with a word from our sponsors. Special thanks to our location sponsor. Writers need a full community of support in order to do their important work. That's where DGF steps in. The Dramatist Guild Foundation is a national charity that fuels the future of American theater by supporting playwrights, composers, lyricists, and book writers at all stages of their careers. They do this by sponsoring educational programs, providing emergency aid to writers in need, and offering a free rehearsal space where I've recorded this episode. For any questions about how DGF might be able to help you, please visit dgf.org. Special thanks to our travel sponsor. I'd like to thank uh, my school, the University of Providence. They are our travel sponsor. They pay for me to get there as well as a student to come help out and meet all these people and stay there. And this is all because it relates to the program that I created. It's the School of Theater and Business Arts. You learn the art of being an artist and the business of being an artist because it is important. If you hear anything in this show, it's that these artists have to treat themselves as an entrepreneurial business. And you learn how to do that 
as well as your art at the University of Providence. Check us out. There's a link at broadwaybullet.com. And uh, if you are a senior or junior, come on out and visit us. We'd love to see you. On the Boards. The Mad Ones is a new musical that is being presented by Prospect Theater Company, headed up by uh, Kara Reichel and Pete Mills, who you've probably heard on this podcast a few times, and uh, written by Kerrigan and Loudermilk. Yeah. We interviewed Brian Loudermilk last season, so uh, your listeners should be a little familiar with this idea. And now we have one of the wonderful actresses from Mad Ones, Leah Hawking, veteran of 10 Broadway productions. Uh, and uh, starring in the Mad Ones, here to talk about Mad Ones, her career, and all sorts of wonderful things. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you doing? <laughs> Good. Frantic week. These these are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Throwing up a new show in four weeks is not a for the faint of heart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and you're 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 just darting over here for like a quick hour in between rehearsals, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we're close. So we we're only a block away, so it was perfect. I know, this is a great location to yeah. do stuff. So, well, I guess to start things off, tell us a little bit about Mad Ones. It's uh, going to be playing at 50, well, by the time they're listening to it, it's playing at 59 Yes, <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's a sort of a, you know, a coming-of-age kind of musical. Uh, it's a story of a young woman. She's a senior in high school trying to decide what she wants to do uh, after high school. If she, her mother wants her to, go to her alma mater. Her friend, best friend wants her to go to state school with her, and uh, her boyfriend wants her to hang with him, so. I don't think anybody can identify with that. Yeah. <laughs> Especially not my 16-year-old daughter, right? Yeah, so, uh, so it's, it's, it's the story of her making the decision to, to do what it is she wants to do. And her the other option is to, uh, to go drive for a while. Ah. And see the world and be Jack Kerouac. Like they're mutually exclusive decisions. Yeah. <laughs> I, I took a year off. Everybody takes school. a gap year now, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what drew you to this show? Well, I actually did a reading of this show, um, I don't know, uh, 10 years ago maybe. It had a different title, it had um, a larger cast. And Brian and Kate uh, put it away for a while and came back to it and rewrote it. And it's, it's beautiful. It's just, I mean, it's gorgeous. A lot of the music is the same. The story is essentially the same, but it's, it's the way it's told is uh, so much more succinct. And, and, um, and there's only four people in the show now. There were oh, well, many a, more. A nice uh, small before. musical. It's perfect. Mm -hmm. It's, the, I mean, it's. It's it's interesting after having you know and I've done so many uh, readings and and things over the years to come back to it. Uh, when I read it before my audition, I thought this is really good. <laughs> I mean, they did such amazing work in rewriting things. It was really impressive. I was you know because it doesn't always happen. Yeah. <laughs> have you been told yet? Is there going to be a cast album for this? I haven't. I haven't heard. <laughs> no. No. Well, make sure you let me know if, I will. if, if they yeah. do, so we can. Yeah, I hope so. It's it's it, it deserves one. So you uh, yourself have been in ten Broadway productions. Yeah. you just said 
That's a lot of Broadway productions. Yeah, I've been, uh, well, I've been around for a while. <laughs> you don't look at it. You said 16-year-old daughter. And I'm like, eh. You're nice. <laughs> yeah, she's, uh, she's, at, uh, she's in the biz, too. Well, she's going to be. But um, What are some of your favorite ones that you've done? Um, I probably, well, The Wild Party. Which Michael, one? Michael John LaCusa, George Wolfe's. <laughs> Yeah. Wild Party. Uh, that was my first. Was that the one that was on Broadway? Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. Then I saw it. Yeah. With Tony Collette and, yeah, and Maddie Patinka and Eartha Kitt. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, so, I was in uh, that. Okay. Um, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was my first, the first role I ever originated in a new show <laughs> on Broadway. So that was, that was, that one's near and dear to my heart. Eartha Kitt was a presence. Yeah, she wow. was, yeah. she was a force, Yeah. Yeah, yeah she, I always wanted, I still want to be here when I grow yeah. up. Yeah. <clears throat> that and, you know, I mean, uh, I've done a lot of flops. Um, Hasn't anybody uh, who's done uh, a lot of Broadway shows? I don't know, I guess maybe. <laughs> I, th I think I, I, I don't know. I, I've done a lot, but, well, they, and they're not necessarily all flops. Yeah. Some of them ran for a, way, a while. They might not have recouped. Yeah. But, that's what I um, said. Yeah. Everybody, yeah. everybody yeah. who's doing Broadway, yeah. what, only one out of five make money? Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, I never yeah. thought of it that way. Statistics. See, yeah. that, the woman I'm playing in the, in the Mad Ones is a statistician. <laughs> I don't think in those terms. <laughs> out of work, outside of work. Yeah. 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 So, um, but that was, I mean, that was thrilling. And, uh, and then All Shook Up was really fun, too. That was a... And Dance of the Vampires. I mean, that was Dance of the Vampires. Yeah, that one. That, that was a wow. Yeah, that was a good one. Brian that was actually notorious. a big fan. Yeah, I, I never got to see that one. Yeah, but it was that like, was a, you missed something. Let me tell yeah. you, it was that was talked. It was about. big. Yeah, it was big. Yeah, it was. I had a blast. Yeah. It was so much fun. But um, there's oh, huh. that would be my car alarm. <laughs> my alarm's going off because it's time to move my car. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Oopsie. Yeah. Oh, sorry about that. Um, and I'm going to get a ticket because I'm obviously not moving my car. Oh, no. No, it's all right. It's cheaper than the garage. <laughs> it is. It's cheaper to just get a ticket. Good than, tip for yeah, uh, those yeah. who are going to yeah. teach you. Of course, you, you do run the risk of getting yeah. your, your car towed. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so All Shook Up was, was, uh, was one of those fun ones, too. That uh, I've done a couple of shows with Joe DiPietro. He wrote All Shook Up and uh, mm -hmm. The Thing About Men I did yeah. off Broadway. Yeah. And um, yeah, so. How do you. Well, we're going to talk about a few things, anyways. Um, now, for the time capsule, because this is all let's let people know what they want to see in the show. Let's uh, time capsule to listeners in the future who have stumbled across this episode because they are producing the Mad Ones. Uh -huh. And and what's your advice? What what have you been coming across? What are the issues? What what advice do you have to people that are looking at the show? Traps to avoid? There, uh, I don't think there are any traps <laughs> to avoid. Um, the it it requires four really good singers that's the that's the that's maybe a trap yeah. because i'm because the, the the music's difficult and it's um it's challenging um but uh but everybody seems to be up to the challenge so <laughs> <laughs> but um it's i mean it's I, I think it will be it's a great show for you know small theater companies it's four people so 
And are to, the technical requirements huge for the show? No, I mean no. not so f- not not the you know in the concept for for this production. I mean you mm-hmm. could do it. Um, uh, I mean and yeah. any director is going to have their own concept. Yeah. But um, but uh, no, it's um, it it but takes some little place small in, black box company in. Wisconsin, who has, Absolutely. who goes, oh, musicals are more popular, and I yeah. can never do one in my ninety-nine seat house. You don't. It doesn't really require a set at all. <laughs> so I mean, it's it's yeah, it's ideal for for <laughs> small theaters, really. And um, but you can you can make it big too. Mm-hmm. You know, you could you could do it in a proscenium stage on a you know on a big house. So mm-hmm. there you go. Um, now this is going to be in a two hundred seat house, which is. Yeah. Right, nice size off Broadway. You've acted everywhere, if it sounds like, from uh, probably 2,000 seat auditoriums yeah. to, to 99 seaters. Um, how much do you adjust what you do for the house as an actress? You know, well, it's been a while since I've been in a house this small. Um, so I guess I'm going to find out. <laughs> but, but, um, uh, I think stage acting is stage acting, you know. I don't think it's I don't think it's that different in a smaller house than in in a larger house. I mean, and I mean you have so much help now too, um, with sound and um, although we you don't need that much help in a two hundred seat house, but uh, uh, yeah, I I don't know. I I think it's uh, it's pretty much the same. You know, it's not like the difference between being in, on stage and on camera. Yeah. You know, on camera. <laughs> <laughs> if you forget, you can make you can make yourself an ugly audition. <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot! I forgot I was doing. I was on camera. I yeah. Forgot they were doing yeah, a yeah, close-up really, on my yeah. face. <laughs> on my big old face, right? I, I, I turned my head a quarter inch and moved off. Come yeah, on. yeah, <laughs> really. Or you know, you did your. You're surprised and your eyes bug out and you're like, oh, wow, that's really attractive. <laughs> <laughs> um, the program that I had is uh, Theater and Business Arts at the University of Providence. Oh, and, yeah. And that I, uh, that I created. And the idea is I try to let actors know that they are their own business. They're entrepreneurs yeah, of their own yeah. careers is really what that focus is. And so I'm kind of curious for you as an actress, how, how you have discovered you have to treat your, yourself as a business and... How you plan strategically your well, career, and it's such an uncertain. Yeah, field. and I've had I've had um, a, I've my life's been a little odd. You know, it hasn't been your standard theater actor's career in the last like ten years. My husband um, got ill in two thousand eight when I was opening Billy Elliot uh, with ALS. Oh. So um, he died. Uh, in that wasn't a flop. 2010. <laughs> that was the only, the only, that is the only hit I've ever opened. Uh, in fact, um, but uh, um, yeah. So he was. Uh, um, he died in May of 2010. So my daughter was eight at the time, and I had to decide if I was going to work, stay at work. Or, or stay with her, and um, I had I was on a leave of absence from the show at the time, and I decided not to go back because I just felt like it was more important for um, me to be home to put her to bed than it was for me to to be 
you know, yeah. to work. So I haven't worked a lot in the last uh, eight years, seven years. I did uh, the Billy Elliot tour for about six months, and I did the last ship, mm -hmm. um, that Sting's musical. Oh, yeah. Um, but that was over two years ago. So I don't, I don't take a lot of auditions because I can't go out of town because my daughter's in high school. And, and so, I, I mean, m my, my story is a little different than, well, than your standard, well, you know, actor. Well, that's true. That's true. Which is exactly, I mean, which is exactly I, how do you fit your business into yeah, your life? Yeah, um, well, and that's how, yeah. for me, I, you know, I, I have chosen to not go out of town to, you know, to, unless it's the summer mm. or, um, and I've only got not even two years left with her. So I figured, you know, I'll yeah. do whatever I want to after that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> but yeah, so for me, I, it's, it's been, um, living on savings a lot mm -hmm. and, uh, survivor benefits <laughs> and, uh, and now, and now that she's old enough to, to, you know, she can be by herself overnight if she has to. So. In New York City. In New York City. Oh, it's, it's happened. Yes, it has happened. <laughs> I actually trust my daughter. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, Foolish. so, so you know, that's, that's what my sisters say. <laughs> yeah. My parents trusted me if they yeah, only knew. I know, that's what my sister said, too. They both, they, both of their daughters ended up having parties. Uh, so I told my daughter if she has a party, you know, she will be busted. Because uh, I got the neighbors watching. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, my, my, it, I haven't worked a lot in the last uh, few years. But, but lucky me, this is the one I get to do now, yeah. you know. I'm just, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. I feel like I'm home, you know. It's it's difficult to not work and to not, you know, to not have that release, to not have that, you know, that's it's you know, you do it because you're passionate about it and and to not have yeah. it in your life um on any level is it's 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 interesting. It's humbling, too. And and to to be back in in such a capacity. I mean, to to be back, to be able to 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 sing these songs and say these words, is it just I am filled up. I'm I'm just I'm thrilled. Yeah. yeah, it's really it's a beautiful piece, and and it's it's so it's you know it's an honor to do it. Really, well, there's been a lot of changes in for actors in the past you know twenty years. So I'm guessing you know from when you started to when you took yeah. a break till now. Have you seen with social media and more content? Have you, have you seen a change in how other actors go about doing things or how you do things? Have you, have you seen changes that affect the, the work? I guess. I mean, I don't pay that much attention yeah. to it. I, I'm not on social media. Um, you know, I'm one of those freaks. Uh, so, yes, so I don't self-promote. Um, and I, I, it's just not, I'm, I'm not interested. You know, I get it. I get why everybody does it. I get why my kid does it. I'm just not interested, you know. I think it's the degradation of our culture. Yeah, but, I've, heard, I've, heard, I've heard of agents acting, asking actors how many, twi how many oh, like, Twitter yeah. followers Twitter or follows. Instagram sure. followers yeah, they have now. They do. I'm sure they do, yeah. 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 yeah, I know. I'm just one of those freaks that, that uh, you know, it, it is what it is. I, I don't, I don't, and there, there are very famous celebrities that don't do social yeah. media, too. So 
I mean, it's a it's a choice. It's yeah. I think it's a well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And let's be able to know out there that if this is something yeah. that's hard for him, that you can still work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and work in the in the capacity that I want to work in. Yeah. You know, it's not. I don't. I don't need to self promote to to do what I do. You know, somebody yeah. else can do it. <laughs> <laughs> or tell you what to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll hire somebody to open a Twitter account for me, right? <laughs> No, I don't, I don't, tweeting is not something that's interesting to me at all, especially now. <laughs> so are, are you like, you said you're waiting kind of two years so your daughter goes until you, you know, really go hog wild? No, it's or not, not it's, I mean, you okay. know, I could go hog wild yeah. next year, yeah. it just it has to be at home, yeah. you know? I mean, I, I, you know, I can't go out of town to try out a show yeah. to bring it back in. There's just, uh, yeah. I can't do that, so... I mean, when I went, I did the Billy Elliot tour for six months. My daughter went out on tour with me, and she trained with the girls in the show, and she went to school with the kids in the show. So that was an experience yeah. for her as well. But after six months, I was, I, you know, that was enough. She, uh, she, I think, I felt like she needed to come home and go back to school. <laughs> but, uh, but we had fun, you know. <clears throat> so, I, and a lot of people make that those choices too. A lot of people homeschool their kids and take them on the road yeah. with them or take them out of town with them. I just, um, I mean, that's not been my choice, but I always, she needs, she yeah. needs that's the structure because uh, I'm not good at imposing structures. So <laughs> somebody's got to do it. <laughs> well, have fun. Thanks. Knock them dead. Thank you so much. <laughs> and it's been a pleasure talking yeah, to you. Yeah, you too. Leah Hawking, best of luck. And I'll talk to you later. Thanks a lot. Yeah. And just like always, we've got much more with Leah Hawking about her career in The Mad Ones. Our unedited interviews are all online, and you can go to broadwaybullet.com, search for volume 809 show notes, and it'll tell you how to find those. So I uh, urge you to check those out. And if you're tempted, Mad Ones is, after all, a musical. What does the music sound like? Well, we've got a big, big exclusive, because Kerrigan and Loudermilk sent over a in-the-room piano demo with Leah Hawking singing her song, Miles to Go. So let's take a listen. The game has been rigged, but I learned to play. And I'm not the enemy, I paved the way. I stood in my own mother's kitchen.
Today is my birthday. Not begging for attention. That is the play. Uh, the play is a thing. And we have playwright Susan Soonhe Stanton and sound designer Palmer Heffron, who uh, collaborated from the outset on writing this play with intensive sound design. It really caught my ear. So I invited uh, these women into the Dramatist Guild Foundation to chat. How are you guys doing? Great. Thanks for having us. <laughs> <laughs> really well. <laughs> this is the Mulligan do-over where I got the name right. Uh, <laughs> Susan Suni Stanton, not hard, but a bit of a tongue twister for me the first time. Uh, so, <laughs> so tell us a little bit about the, the, the play, the formation, and uh, how, how you just came to decide you wanted to get like a sound designer in kind of from the outset. Yeah, well, this is a play that I've never imagined in three dimensions before. Well, it started because I was asked to go on the radio and perform as sort of an alter ego. I was on a radio show as an actor, and I had to pretend to ask out somebody on the radio. And the person I was asking at was also a fake person. And he had to improv out these scenarios. And um, this sort of crazier version of myself would have been like, oh, man, I wish I could figure out who this person was, because, you know, we had this connection, and he told me I was beautiful and all these great things. And then I got off the phone, and I was like, oh, I feel so empty. Um, but also radio shows, especially morning radio shows, are crazy. And <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I mean, just, you know, all these sound key, sound cues and all kinds of things. And the, the DJs will have, you know, four or five different persona voices they do, like all these different shticks. And I started thinking about just the way we communicate. I mean, I'm, I'm from Hawaii, but live in New York. And so a lot of the people that I really love... I communicate with only on the phone most of the time and, and thinking about those layers of communication and also thinking about the form of radio plays. Um, and then, you know, so I think naturally the play has a lot of sound cues. So I wanted to involve a sound designer really early. And uh, Palmer and I met in grad school at Yale. Yeah. And um, there's a, a mm, class. Too bad you couldn't have gotten in somewhere better. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a, yeah. yeah, but there was a class in it um, taught by Matthew. Matthew Sutter. Matthew Sutter, where we you know, we'd read we read our plays, and then they would talk about the sound potential, and they would pair us with a sound designer, and then we would just have a conversation about or talk about the sound. I thought that was really cool, and so 
I thought, what a cool thing to involve a sound designer early. So when we applied to Sundance, uh, myself, director Kip Fagan, you know, we requested a sound designer and reached out to Palmer. And she yeah. came and lived with us and worked on the play. Yeah, it was a very exciting email to get. Because <laughs> when would a sound designer ever have an opportunity to be in residence at Sundance Theater Lab? We're always thought of once a production is in the pre-production process and going to be on stage. And when there's only $5 left in the budget, too. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, luckily, <laughs> a little bit more than that. I'm yeah, but I mean, I'm, but that's when they normally approach us. <laughs> able to survive as a theatrical yeah. sound designer. Um, but I always have been interested in the workshop process. I do theatrical sound design because of the collaboration. My degree is in sound design for film and television. And... After I got that degree, when I was 22, I very quickly realized I did not want to be in a mixing suite for my whole life, a dark soundproof room. I actually <laughs> like social interaction. And that way I fell into theater looking for a type of collaboration. So this kind of was the ultimate fulfillment of that ideal is to work on a play while it was being done with actors in development stage. And, you know, just a perk was that Susan, Kip, and I got to live in this kind of amazing mountain home together in Utah for three weeks I'm while so we were sorry doing that. <laughs> oh, my heart goes out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was really interesting to show, I think, how your sound design helped us map the play because the main character, Emily, is, is sort of, we had her sort of in her natural voice. And then depending on how far away people were, there were different levels of distortion, like, like through an intercom, they would sound far away, or a radio microphone, or over a speakerphone on a construction site. And then there were times where Palmer would just sort of create the character of these incredibly annoying radio shows. <laughs> or you were a baby and a toddler, like you would make sort of folio sounds mm -hmm. the whole of the show. Um, she does a great a great baby and a, a four-year-old. <laughs> I have nieces, so it helps. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what is the process like? What, what all do you get to work on and change at uh, Sundance Theater Lab? It's about a three-week process? Is yeah, yeah, I think it's exactly three weeks. Um, we were in Utah, though. now they've been going to other cool places like Morocco. We did not get to go. <laughs> yeah. Utah has super fresh air, though. I really super appreciated fresh, that. Lots of eagles. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think you can, I mean, I feel like it's open to how you want to spend your time. We also had a wonderful dramaturg, Lisa Temmel, who helped us, and, and actors. And, uh, and several of the actors are joining us in the production at P73. Um, I think, yeah, you, you sort of propose and say, okay, I want to work on these things. I mean, for me, I think I didn't understand how the play worked without sound. You know, I think I had these bracketed ideas, and I didn't know how it could exist in you know physical space with actors, so that was something the director did, and and Palmer and Palmer worked on, um, and then we did a bunch of different passes. I think the first draft was very funny and light, but I always felt like there was sort of a deeper core to it and a darker aspect, more than just the person having a crisis. It's like, well, why is she having a crisis, and why is she doing all these self-destructive things, which are actually funny, but what is the root of it? And so we just kept sort of like peeling peeling back layers until we got to something that does feel much more emotionally truthful. That was always there, but but very buried between, above all that sort of humor and, and stick and other things. And uh, what was your experience? What did, what did you get work on and change? Do you have a your portable recording rig there to be able to... Yeah, Sundance was really great and rented a chunk of equipment. We decided to start off with SM58, kind of a standard table mic setup for all the actors. 
since it was a workshop, just having their voice amplified and being able to be processed was going to be key. It didn't have to be hidden and discreet. Mm -hmm. And also interesting to see the ways the actors might play with microphones, whether they're off mic a little bit, saying something to another character who's talking in the background of their environment, or they're really close, and so they have this like extreme intimacy in your ear. And then as well as that, we had, um, of course, speakers and a mixer, and um, I actually used Ableton Live to do a range of different processes on voice or the sound effects as well. And for me, the experience was, um, it was tech essentially. <laughs> I mean, completely developmental, yeah. making changes all the time, but I came out of Sundance with not a finished sound design because you know we continued to work and improve things as we need, but it was a full sound design mm -hmm. at the very oh, least. Yeah. And I mean, one of the most exciting things was to see the experience of an audience with the play because we were enjoying ourselves <laughs> immensely. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, I mean, it. It's always good. Is the audience having as much fun as we are? <laughs> and if you're doing, if you're workshopping something for three weeks, it's great to be having fun in, in a beautiful environment and with really lovely and talented people too. The actors brought so much to the process as well. Um, the choices that they made with the radio characters in particular, they. Each, the two actors that play the two different radio hosts go through multiple characters in their radio persona. And so, you know, there's a horny grandpa. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of ranges to do that. We've actually <laughs> heard multiple ones. And there's the main persona, which is DJ Loki. That's mm -hmm. like who he always is. Then he yeah. plays um, Dr. Love Connection. Dr. Johannes Connection. Right. <laughs> How did I miss that? Dr. <laughs> Johannes Connection of the Love Connection. And then he also plays Horny Grandpa. And then there's DJ Solange. And then she... She, she plays Goddess Sweet Leilani. Right. She yeah. plays so Goddess saying this out of context. Sweet Leilani. Um, and, and how they, their vocalizations really shaped uh, how we found their like little sound cues to embody who they were. Yeah, I think we have six actors, but they're playing maybe 30 different characters. So, I mean, I think on top of all the sound, they're making choices that differentiate who they are. You know, and I think it's a big production question as well. Like, will they have the costume changes or will it be a lot of vocal stuff and physical mannerisms? And so, yeah, I mean, it's very much an audio audio play. Yeah, <laughs> and it's, it's exciting now for it to be on stage <laughs> in the coming weeks. We have about a month until... Oh my gosh, like a month and a couple of days until first preview. Even oh, first preview, so we might be able to get this up even, before, before you open. Yeah, we yeah. haven't even yeah. started tech yet. Yeah. First we rehearsal. haven't started rehearsal yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or rehearsal, it's just a couple of days away, actually. It's a week away. Oh my gosh. A week from today. Is it two, actor, two people, two actors, or more? No, it's uh, oh six actors, I think. Okay. That yeah. each play three characters, two to three characters. Yeah. yeah. Except yeah. for the lead, who plays herself. She's like the central perspective. Yeah, so Jennifer Kata, she plays Emily and she's on stage. She's she's every single conversation pretty much is is with her. But one of the fun things actually that I've been playing with in some of the monologues is that she'll leave a monologue or she'll leave a voicemail and then she'll erase it and then she'll re-record it. So she'll leave a <laughs> pathetic you know, yeah. sobby voicemail to her ex-boyfriend and delete it and then yeah. leave a very confident one. Yeah. And it's like, well, what happens with that? Like, it doesn't exist anywhere, but the audience has heard it and yeah. we've had this thing. So it's like sort of layers of 
of truth that we were playing with in terms of like, well, where does a deleted voicemail live that's never been listened to? Like if a tree falls in the forest kind of thing. I love that. (laughs) So how much of the sound design is like said live kind of live processing through Ableton Live and how much is pre-recorded sound cues? Mm -hmm. Um, How do you balance the two? Um, Well, we're trying to find things that are in the moment are going to be fully sound cues. So Jennifer is, uh, not Jennifer, Emily, the character, is has a moment where she has to like shuffle through a bunch of papers. That will be live fully. Um, there's uh, another moment where she's opening an envelope and crumpling paper. That will be live. There's a baby crying in the background. That's me doing a baby <laughs> live. Uh, there's like a toddler that cries and gets her head hit in the background. That's mm-hmm. me live. We're playing with the idea of uh, Newton's cradle. Isn't that what it's called? Mm-hmm. The, the like little desktop play thing you with have in an executive yeah. office. <laughs> so that would be live. So things where people are actually creating them in the moment as they're kind of side tasks, as they're mm-hmm. multitasking on the phone, uh, we're going to shoot for as much as that as feasibly possible to be live. So there is another layer among the play that's also happening through the microphones and transmitted into the speakers. And then things like a lot of the DJ radio stuff is pre-recorded and like in a real radio station where they'd have kind of like a hot key that would like shoot off that sound effect. They have like a whole bag of tools and at their disposal to play with. And something that's very unusual, I feel like, is that a, a sound designer as talented as Polymer would normally create the sound and then leave, you know, somebody just to, to run the cues during the show. But Palmer will, DJ Palmer will be <laughs> physically on the set. There's, there's an area of the set that's been designed for you to be on stage the entire time and running the sound, you know, visible to the audience the entire show. So you, you're, you're essentially like an actor in the show as well. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I didn't know I'd have to like look good. Oh my God. Thank you. It is a big undertaking. I've been thinking about it a lot. I've done live Foley before, but then I'll have a mixer doing the mix. But there's something exciting about me multitasking <laughs> as well as all the actors who are playing multiple characters and having to do different changes and switches and be in different places as well. I think it's going to add in general to all the energy of that and comedy that the play has. It's just you like <laughs> running around just doing all these different things and hitting buttons and all of them, you know, being the DJs and doing all that stuff. <laughs> I mean, I'm excited. I'm, I mean, selfishly, I'm excited to watch it. <laughs> You're like, woo, there's yeah. a whole other thing going on over there. Look at all these people working really hard doing this thing I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> like, you've really made it. Yeah. <laughs> That's very selfish of me, but... So through this process, as you've gotten to work with each other, have you ever thought about, I know, like, you know, right now, you know, with podcasting, there's like all this audio drama out there, like Welcome to Night Vale and all the other things. Have you guys thought about doing any like specifically kind of made for audio programming? Well, <laughs> well it's, my, a, it's my it's my sort of, yeah, I mean, it's my hope to do a version of this play. I'm really hoping, especially these amazing actors, mm-hmm. to do a version of this play where it is it is a recorded podcast, so we're yeah. we're trying to figure that out, and I really hope it happens. Um, but yeah, you do experience it differently, right? In mm-hmm. terms of sound, where you you hear, you know, night vogue. You can, you can create a whole world. I think when you can just when you can just hear things. So I mean, mm-hmm. that would be very cool. We never talked about it, but you know. <laughs> yeah, Michael Walkup, the producing director of Page Seventy Three, who's producing the show, joked that we we're not using all of the new Ohio theater. We're sectioning off actually the stage and everything. The seats are on stage as well. 
So we kind of have this open area where there would normally be a seating bank um, to the side, and he thought maybe we could sell <laughs> seats. Come back twice. <laughs> just here in the dark. And just here yeah. in the dark. I mean, that's a joke, but you know, interesting. I feel like you could mostly. Well, maybe you'd have to hear it, see the play once. I yeah. think you could probably track most of it. It'd be interesting to see. Thanks again, and, and break a leg. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. On the boards. Red Roses Green Gold is just now coming to New York. Hopefully it's still playing when we, as you listen to this. It's uh, based on the music of Jerry Garcia. And a, a little known obscure guy. Yeah, no, not a big deal. <laughs> and uh, we've got actress Natalie Stores here uh, from the show, here to talk about the show, her career, and a bunch of things. How are you doing yeah, today? I'm doing well. <laughs> it's a nice, crisp fall day out today. It is. Which I love. It's I been know. pretty warm. Not, not, yeah, not muggy, not sweaty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sweater weather. Very exciting. So, uh, uh, Red Roses Green Gold. You got your you're opening as we talk. You're like opening really soon, right? We so have been in the... previews for the past three okay. weeks. Yes, and um, we're set to open in two days. Yeah, <laughs> opening on Sunday. Excited? Very excited. <laughs> yeah, it's been a really, really crazy, very cool process. Um, it's my first time being a part of building a show from yeah. the ground up. Okay, that's all. Yeah, that's. Mm-hmm. Always an exciting thing for yeah. an actor. <laughs> so, so exciting. Yeah. Is this the first time the show's being done anywhere? Are you, are you originating your role? I am. Awesome. Yes, I'm originating the role of Melinda Jones. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing we'll definitely talk about then a little later on in the interview is the process, the different process for you as an actress originating a role versus mm-hmm. taking on, you know, something that's maybe a little bit more familiar yeah, <laughs> but tell us a little bit about. Um, I'm, so I'm assuming this takes songs of the Grateful Dead, and yep, it's songs, <laughs> songs uh, the songs of Jerry Garcia and Robert Hunter. Um, and you know, <laughs> you definitely don't have to be fans of the music to know a lot of the yeah. music. Um, and uh, it's a really, really, really cool show in that there's a cast of eight actors who are also the musicians. Okay. Kind of like a once. Okay. Um, so do you play an instrument? Then? I do. What do yeah. you play? Uh, in this show, I play um, a ukulele and then a lot of different kinds of percussion. Okay. Um, <laughs> but a lot of the cast, everyone in the cast is a multi instrumentalist, which is really, mm. really neat and not seen a whole lot. Um, people are playing all kinds of things from upright bass and electric bass and electric guitar, acoustic guitar, uh, mandolin, banjo. <laughs> uh, you know, we got a drum kit. We've got. What else? Accordion. So people are running around and switching from in- different instruments. And it's <laughs> the most amazing thing I've ever seen. <laughs> um, my castmates are some of the most talented people I've met. Um, so that's really, really cool in that, you know, not only are all of the cast playing the characters, but they are, we're also the orchestra mm-hmm. and, um, you know, kind of creating a lot of the set changes as well and just, you know, working all together to to do this show. It's really, really neat. Yeah. So when they're when when taking a musical based on like uh, you know a body of work by a specific artist, mm-hmm. they, there's a couple different ways people tend to go about it. What what's the story? What's the framing? How do they use this music to tell what story? Well, yeah. it's it's funny. Um a lot of the catalog of music draws from this like mythology <laughs> that the fans like to to call it um I'm I'm a new fan of all of this music myself mm-hmm. like 
I coming into it, I wasn't, I, I hadn't, you know, I wasn't yeah. a big, I didn't know a lot. Um, and so I'm learning myself, yeah. but, um, a lot of the songs that they wrote, they draw from, you know, these, like they talk about Cumberland and they talk about a lot of different type uh, people named Jones, um, which is really neat. And you, you know, once you start to listen, you're like, wait, Casey Jones, um, Jack Jones, uh, you know, all these different people. And I, I guess, you know, the creators of the show, um, Michael Norman Manns, our, our book writer, um, drew from a lot of these, like, you know, branching out, uh, similarities, you know, in these songs and, they do. They all really tell stories. Um, so, so is this more vignette or is there a through story? There's, there's a through story. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh-huh. it's an original story. It's not, you know, about Jerry Garcia yeah, or Robert there's, Hunter. There's, yeah, there's different yeah. ways of... Right, right. So it's not mm-hmm. about them. It's it's an original kind of like fantastical, fun story mm-hmm. set in the 1920s. Um, wow, Jerry Garcia's music? 1920s, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in, in a, a mount, like a mountain Appalachian community. Um, and uh, it's about a, a family, the Jones family, who mm-hmm. owns a mine and um, what would have been called a saloon, but it's prohibition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a lot of, you know, bathtub gin type of thing. Um, but basically the main, the main story is about the family and um, they're this... They come from a long line of of swindlers and gamblers mm-hmm. and fun things like that, <laughs> and uh, they're about to lose the mine that mm-hmm. actually the the patriarch of the family, Jack Jones, has won in a card game a long time back, um, and they're about to lose it to the bank. They just owe a lot of money. There's a lot of debt, and so Jack Jones, the father figure of the family, decides to come up with one final kind of con <laughs> to figure out how to save the mine. Um, and at the same time, he's dealing with, uh, so I play Melinda Jones, who's his daughter, um, who basically runs a lot of the aspects of the mine at this point. And, uh, I have a brother, Mick Jones, who kind of takes right after our dad mm-hmm. as this kind of like swindler and no good, you know, kid <laughs> who's even stealing from the family. So their relationship is kind of on the fritz. So it's about getting, um, his son to come back into his life as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of like the main story. It revolves around this family and there are some really silly bad guys that <laughs> are trying to throw wrench into everything. And it's really, it's, it's, it's a silly, fun, um, jam. It's, <laughs> it's a great, amazing, um, showcase for the music for yeah. sure. So is the music done as per kind of how the Grateful Dead orchestrated instrumented or is this done more in like a 20s style where they re-envisioned the orchestration yeah that's been really fun um we were also a process of coming up with all this music which Mm -hmm. was really Mm -hmm. cool um we literally sat down and did a workshop of the show in july and sat down with um a couple of you know more like musical director type people who know musical theater a little more and then with jeff Comenti who is um, the uh, keyboardist for Dead & Co, mm-hmm. um, along with lots and lots of, you know, different bands throughout the ages. Yeah. But he's been living with this music for a long, long time. Um, and so he's an expert at all things yeah. <laughs> when it comes to the music. Mm-hmm. And so 
You know, a lot of the um, Grateful Dead uh, catalog, it has these um, kind of, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, bluegrass type, mm-hmm. you know, it's bluegrass type feel to a lot of the music. And we drew a lot on that. Um, we're taking we're taking songs that aren't, weren't necessarily in the bluegrass format yeah. when they were mm-hmm. recorded or played and kind of putting a little bit of that spin on it. Um, but most, but a lot of, we've been really, really sticking to um, the tenets of the songs and what mm-hmm. specifically, like when we know, uh, when Jeff Comenti, mm-hmm. who is our musical supervisor, knows that the fan base is gonna wanna hear certain guitar licks mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. certain Jerry Garcia specific things, mm-hmm. um, we've really pounded that in, <laughs> you know? Just just a few things like that, but we've also been able to take some musical liberties and make a lot of the vocal lines our own. I mean, clearly, mm-hmm. for the women singing this yeah. music, we're <laughs> like, well, <laughs> we can't sing everything in that Jerry Garcia yeah. <laughs> down there. Some of it we do, but. <laughs> So, Do that again. They're down there. Yeah. Down there. Yeah. yeah. You, got sexy, you got a sexy voice down I got, there. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Uh, I love it. I love it. I get to sing um, Box of Rain with uh, my kind of romantic counterpart. Mm-hmm. And a lot that starts off, well, this is all a dream we dreamed one afternoon. And it's like, oh. <laughs> I, just, I, I do live to sing down Gorgeous there. Gorgeous voice. Now I just want to hear more. <laughs> <laughs> Um, a lot, well, because a lot yeah. of musicals these days, especially the ones that I'm normally cast in, are scrout your face off like high belting. Yeah. That's what they want in a yeah. lot of musical theater these days, and it's really nice to be like, oh, I get to sing some rock music. I get to <laughs> sing some like, you know, chill music. It's great. So let's peer into the future a little bit, mm-hmm. and the show's done well, and now theater companies around the U.S. are looking at doing. Uh, Red Roses, Green Gold mm-hmm. themselves. Um, being involved in the process, creating this and putting it on, what are some of your suggestions to that future company? Traps to avoid, things they might want to try. Um, what benefit <laughs> of your process can you extend to them? Oh, man. <laughs> um, well, get great musicians. <laughs> um, if it's going to be done the same way with the multi-instrumentalist yeah. actors, that's that's, you'd really have to hire the right people. Mm-hmm. Um, and if not, you know, if you're gonna have an, an orchestra and, or, you know, do it a different way, I, I'm not quite, yeah. we're just, we haven't even opened yet. I don't know <laughs> what the licensing will yeah. be, but. Um, I'm gonna assume somewhere, somebody else is gonna be able to do this in the future. Absolutely, so. <laughs> I mean, it's the same, you know, the producers as, as Million Dollar Quartet, and that goes all over the yeah. place. And it's a huge, huge hit. Um, so the music is really the heart and soul of the show, I would say. Um, and just, yeah, make sure you get, like, that the music is being done justice to. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's really what the people who flock to the show, we've already had people come and see this show two, three times. Well, if it turns out to be like the Grateful Dead, they should take the show on the road and yeah. they'll just have the people <laughs> That'd be great. follow the No, tour. truly, I know, my, I, I just, I just learned that my uncle was a huge fan. Yeah. And like, he's like, oh yeah, I've seen something like 257 shows. I'm like, wait, what? Like, it really is. It's this amazing community of people. Mm-hmm. And um, so yeah, they really wanna, mm-hmm. they just wanna hear this music mm-hmm. done really well. And um, the other thing is that 
all of the heart has to mm. also come from the actors. Like, just live and love the mm-hmm. show. And you can't really do much wrong with the fans, you know? Is there a difference you found as an actress uh, putting the subtext and singing behind more of a pop song or something not written for musical mm-hmm. theater versus a more traditional musical theater plot character-driven song that might be useful for actors taking on not just this show, but any kind of jukebox. Yeah, um, that's a really, it's been a really interesting kind of like brain switch for auditioning for these types of shows and doing these types of shows. Um, A lot of times, and this is just being very frank, Mm -hmm. like you can't get to, I come from a very, of an acting background, so it's harder for me to like, be like, but what's my motivation when I'm singing <laughs> about the wheel? Like, what am I, you know, <laughs> you can't be so, you just can't be so literal. Um, you know, shows like Mamma Mia and shows, you know. Yeah, there's tons of them. That's why we have tips them. for these people that yes. are used to like. Yeah, <laughs> it's almost, one of the best pieces of advice I got in, um, in just a workshop that I was in was to almost pretend like you're, and this is when auditioning, mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. Almost pretend like you are a pop star in a music video <laughs> when you're singing these songs. Um, versus, which is weird to, to say. So like you're in your bedroom it's weird and you're here well, in the, looking in the mirror, singing in the mirror. Like, yeah, you know, I'm definitely a pop star when I'm in my bedroom. Maybe not like that. <laughs> but I mean, hey, if you like the yeah. makeup and the stuff, go for yeah. it. You know. Um, but yeah, just I mean, there's always ideas for me there's always um little pieces to connect to and be able to connect to the story in my head um and whatever works for you in you know bringing a light or bringing a fire to your eyes and and like bringing out the passion of of kind of like it's more like focusing on one (laughs) the goal that you want you know Mm -hmm. through the song or through the in the next scene and um, not you don't have to be so so literal about every single mm. word you're singing, but yeah. more that if it revolves around an idea that mm. you're playing towards, that's that's what helps me anyway. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So now you're saying this is your first time you get a chance to originate a role and work mm-hmm. through the whole process. What are some of the things you've done leading up to this? What, to- what, what is the story of Natalie Store? Oh, oh, sh- yeah. other shows that I've done? Yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Um, well, I have done a lot of shows, um, luckily, mm. and um, very happily. Uh, I've done mostly regional theater, which has been amazing. Um, I did uh, the Broadway tour of Sister Act, okay. which was really yeah. great. So I've <laughs> traveled all over um, the U.S., uh, came, like I said, came at musical theater from an acting background. Um, i Sung and danced my whole life for fun. I come from a family who loves theater, which is a blessing. Where are you from? Um, I'm from Southern California. Okay. Yeah, just just a little north of Los Angeles. Um, went to USC School of Theater um, as an acting major. Not, you know, I kind mm-hmm. of I done I've been a dancer and a musical theater performer for fun mm-hmm. my whole yeah. life, and I but I really fell in love with acting in high school um, with. Shakespeare and with a lot of classical acting and I was like, I want to be an actor, yeah. you know, <laughs> and uh, studied acting for four years, went to London, studied in London and came back. And of course, I jump into the workforce and everything I've done so far has been musical theater, <laughs> which I love. <laughs> I really do. Um, 
So but recently, I mean, this year, I, uh, I just, my last role was Maureen and Rent out yeah. at Gateway <laughs> in Long Island. Um, I've worked at La Mirada. I did the last five years earlier this year. I did nine to five at Flat Rock Playhouse um, mm. last summer. So yeah, I've just kind of bounced all around the country um, playing a lot of roles that I'm very lucky to have like checked off my bucket list <laughs> that have been really, really great. Yeah. So what have been the biggest adjustments or biggest things that you've enjoyed or had to think differently about in terms of creating a show, creating a role rather than stepping into something it's, that has been proven yeah. and tested and, and, uh, and there's a precedent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's been really interesting. Um, a lot of artists have different philosophies on, um, you know, watching other artists do, you know, yeah. roles that they are about to do. And some people are like, oh, no, I want to make that on my own. And I'm actually not that kind of an actress mm -hmm. at all. I love watching what people have done with different roles. Um, of course, I'm still going to make yeah. it my own. But I feel like there's so much to learn from mm -hmm. watching someone else do a role. I mean, whether you're like, oh, that so connects. Or, oh, I don't know. Maybe I would do something else. Mm -hmm. um, and... I think that's how we all grow as artists is that we've been influenced yeah. by the artists around us. So this is a very interesting, and I've been wanting to originate yeah. a role for a long time because it's, I mean, obviously you're like, wow, a blank canvas. This <laughs> is so cool. Um, a lot of Melinda Jones comes from me, obviously. Mm -hmm. It's what's really fun about this character is I get to um, utilize a lot of my quirkiness um, I'm definitely a comedic and a quirky actor, um, <laughs> and I like I like being silly, and I like you know drawing on my kind of tomboy roots, and um, so I've I've seen a lot of that come into Melinda, um, and also just then like research, you know, it's fun to be able to research 1920s mining communities mm -hmm. and look at what these women looked like and kind of like. It's in in a way like look into their eyes in these pictures and be like, oh, who were you? And like, mm -hmm. what did you know? Really, really do um, research into the time period and uh, yeah. And then you know, a lot of it is just kind of developing relationships with your fellow castmates, um, and that kind of helps your character grow. So yeah, I mean, that's it's it's just been um, <laughs> it's been a really fun process. It's been a a, a crazy process because a lot of our specific um, rehearsal w has been music as yeah. well. So, you know, jumping into um, the character has been a, a lot of discoveries on stage, yeah. funny enough, which is really yeah. cool, you know, during previews. I was, I was actually just going to say, how has is, how is previews affected this show? And, and gauging, has there been a lot of changes once you hit previews? Or oh, has it yeah. been, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's been a really fun thing to go through. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I say fun, and then yeah. I thought, wait, was it fun? Because <laughs> it was also, it's um. I know a lot no of shows joke. are like, change a whole scene, add new songs. Oh, my gosh. So, I mean, yeah. We did. We did. Um, it's true. I mean, truly, like, especially when you're doing a, a musical from yeah. a catalog of music, yeah. you know, a lot of the times, it, you know, the story is very malleable because it's, you know, the music is what anchors the show. Yeah. And so we put a lot of stuff in front of the audience that, you know, 
was eventually, you know, it's just easy to see. You, it's very clear mm-hmm. that, oh, well, this scene is running a little too long. We need to get to a song. Yeah. Or like, oh, okay, that joke didn't play out. We got to write a new joke. You know, yeah. we got to work with something else. Have they um, thrown in new songs in you on previews? Well. Because I was going to say, with this, with a normal show, you got the musicians in the pit with sheet music in front of them if right. you're adding the song. But you guys have to learn the instruments. It's insane. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, um, I <laughs> I consider myself one of I mean the other the musicians in this show the actor musicians are amazing, um, and uh, yes, actually we've had music change. We haven't had brand new songs yeah. put on us. Um, well, save for we have a couple encores <laughs> that we do at the end of the show, and they're not the same okay. every night, which is really cool okay. for people. More reason back. for those deadheads exactly. to follow the tour around when it when goes. people yell out like. <laughs> So I'm like, we'll come back. <laughs> um, so we have been, I mean, yesterday we just threw in um, a new encore song. Mm-hmm. And that was like, you know, week three of previews. We worked on it really hard in rehearsal um, yesterday and the day before. And then we went, okay, here we go. Like, we'll see what happens. And they loved it. It went really well. But there have been a lot of musical changes um, as far as instrument instrumentation wise um we've had actors which is crazy to me we've had some of the actors totally switch which instruments they're playing in songs and new orchestrations and they're amazing like they get up and they do them and i you know i'm uh, for my my track in this show is a lot more of kind of like an acting track so i don't find myself yeah i'm not playing as much as a lot of other people and the people who are are the most amazing things in the world to me. I'm just blown away. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And break a leg at your opening in two days. Thank you. Thanks so much. <laughs> and we'll talk to you again. Thanks. All right. <laughs> Curtain call. Well, that wraps up this episode, but we got a lot more ahead. Like I said, we got a new episode coming in the next two weeks. So in volume 810, you're going to hear from Glenn Slater, the lyricist for Love Never Dies, which is finally going on tour in North America. He'll talk about that and later in the season talk all about his writing with everybody. We've also got The Dead, 1904, with the Irish rep Aidan Maloney's coming on to talk to us about that. And we've got This One's for the Girls. Uh, it's been revitalized. It was... Um, off-Broadway in another package before, but Dr. Dorothy Marsick, who's the book writer, talks about the history of women's liberation in pop music in this musical. So it's a great one to hear about. Then in 8-11, in two weeks, December 26th, ah, nice to listen to with your Christmas stocking, Jersey Boys returns off-Broadway, and we've got book writer Rick Ellis here to tell us about that, and later in the season to talk all about book writing. Also, we've got Frankenstein, written by Eric Sirota, playing off-Broadway, and something else you might want to see over the holidays, a little hit called Come From Away. Q Smith and Gino Carr stop by to talk about acting in that show and the development process. And then lots of good stuff later in the season. So um, I really look forward to Tell all your friends what's coming up. Again, word of mouth is about the best thing to help us out. I really appreciate it. Again, I'm your host, Michael Gilbo. Again, special thanks to um, our associate producer and my student at the University of Providence who went out 
to New York and helped me with this. In fact, got invited to a lot of things. She got invited and toured, uh, got a backstage tour at Phantom of the Opera from the Phantom. Uh, he's in last, he's in this season too, if you want to check him out. Um, she was also invited to watch the stage manager call cues at Miss Saigon, and she's an aspiring stage manager. So that was exciting. So um, if you're interested in our program, it's the theater, or it's the School of Theater and Business Arts at the University of Providence. That's uprovidence.org. And we're going to have information here up on Broadway Bullet. I'd love to have you. All right. Talk to you later. Thank you.